I'm Dr. Megan Corredo, and welcome to Real Stories, a podcast that features the narratives of trauma survivors, professionals, and community leaders. Real Stories provides a platform for guests with diverse life experiences to voice and honor their unique narratives. During today's episode, we will be speaking with Demisha Wilson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're more than welcome. Glad to be here. Can you tell us a little about who you are? Um, man. Okay. So um, my name is Denisha Wilson. I am an educator, I think, if there was one word to describe me. Um, a Philly educator. I've taught in Philly uh, my entire tenure. Um, getting ready to start year 17 um, on Monday. Mm. I won't say 36 hours anymore <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> getting ready to start um, my 17th year. Um and really, I guess, in addition to being an educator, I think I started out being a teacher, but I think you become just a community advocate. I think you become a, a student or a kid advocate, um, a parent advocate, um, all of those things that kind of help the kid in the classroom. I think that unknowingly you sign on for, but I think that's just who I am. Um, I'm a native of West Virginia. Um, I've been in Philadelphia for 18 years. I've been teaching 17 of those 18 years. So that's really me. That's that's kind of who I am for the most part. Can you tell us a little more about what you do? Sure. So um, right now um, I do kind of like academic counseling um, at the school that I'm at right now. Um, I work with our middle school students to get them prepped for high school. You know, in Philadelphia, you have this special admit high school, you have the high school process. So you have the different types of high schools that you're um, able to apply for and go to. So um, my job right now focuses on making sure that our kids are ready to go. And we start that as early as sixth grade. Um, so in sixth grade, we talk about um, just, you know, what are you interested in? We ask kids, what are you interested in? Um, we kind of get them aligned and talk to them about the different high schools. We not only encourage grades, um, you know, grades are a big part of it, but so is character, you know, so we talk about all of those things um, and just get them ready so that when the beginning of eighth grade comes, um, they have looked at their list and they've been looking at this list of high schools that they've narrowed it down to five and then we begin to apply. Um, so that's one piece of, of kind of what I do. Um, of course, I also, I'm in the classroom um, as of late, um, I do career um, career readiness, so a big focus on career readiness, and you know what are you going to do after you leave high school, um, and and so what are you going to do after you leave high school? So what does it mean? What does it look like while you're in high school? You know your next steps. Um, what should you be focused on? Where should you be? Um, you know where should you volunteer? What are the things that interest you? So those are my two big um, hats that I wear kind of right now, and then on the side. Um, I do some tutoring. So I tutor uh, K to 12, every subject um, throughout the city. Um, I've been doing that for the last probably like three and a half, four years. So those are my three like hats that I wear right now. Okay. And then, so you've taught a lot of different grades and subjects, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, what grades have you taught? So I started out teaching uh, health and PE. Um, so I started out teaching health and PE, um, and then I went into fourth grade. So I've, I taught fourth grade for two years, then I went to sixth grade a year, um, and then I went and I taught um, seventh and eighth grade, 
um, social skills. Then I did fourth grade math, sixth grade math, fourth grade again. And um, now I'm here. Like the, the things that I just mentioned were, that's kind of my hats that I wear now. So I've been all through elementary school for the most part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we know that every individual, every community, every system has, has a story and every story includes adversity and strength. Can you talk to us about some of the adversities that you've faced? Sure. Um, I think one of the personal um, adversities that I've faced, and I don't really necessarily, I don't even think I maybe kind of acknowledged that it was an adversity um, until I got older and began to understand and begin to teach and begin to see my story and a lot of my kids' stories um, was that my mother um, had a drug problem when we grew up. And so um, it, it was so interesting that I thought it was just um, I was the anomaly, right? That it was just, you know, my story or it was just me and my sister's story. Um, but as I've gotten older um, and as I work, you know, in different demographics and I, as I've been teaching for so long, it was almost as if um, that my story is, is probably one of the reasons that I'm able to, I guess, maybe um, be so impactful with the kids that I teach. I mean, it was big adversity. When you think about, um, uh, somebody who is drug addicted and all of the things that they do, you know, I lived all of those things. I lived, um, my, I live those things. I live the, the consequences or the repercussions of my mother being a drug addict and just having to deal with that and grow through that. You know, um, mm -hmm. I think we really realized, um, I think I realized my mother, you know, had a problem when I was probably maybe like 11. Um, you know, this, and from 11 years old, I think you're what, in the fifth or sixth grade? So from the sixth grade um, throughout college, maybe until I graduated, um, you know, just kind of dealing with the, the highs and lows of, and I don't necessarily know if there are any highs of drug addiction, but dealing with the lows of drug addiction and trying to still do well in school and still trying to uh, keep it a secret because you don't want everybody to know. You don't want anybody to know that, you know, still trying mm -hmm. to function, still trying to have things be normal um, and, and for real uh, dealing with your new normals or your dysfunctional stuff that has become functional because this is just what it is, you know? And so just, um, I guess, growing through that, um, I think coming out of that, knowing the consequences of that, knowing the repercussions of that, I think that's a big, that was a bit, probably the biggest adversity um, that I've encountered or endured um, in my life. And truthfully, as hard as it was, um, I, I know for a fact that I definitely would not be um, the, the educator that I am today. And quite honestly, probably the person that I am today, had I not kind of endured that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it just, it, it gives me a, a new look on, um, on, on, on everything, you know? So I think that's probably the biggest adversity um, that, by the grace of God, you know, that, that I've overcome. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Have you faced any adversities, um, in, in your teaching career? So, yeah. So I think the biggest adversity I've, I've faced in my teaching career, um, in 2015, I went into a new, um, demographic and, you know, they tell you that urban education is, is urban education, but I think there are different tiers of urban education. I think there are different things that you encounter. I think there are different levels. Um, and so I went from, you know, I've, I've spent my entire time in urban ed, but I've, I've 
teaching Philly. So I went from one part of the city mm-hmm. to the other. And I think everybody knows in Philly that neighborhoods are different. Um, zip codes are different. You know, they make they do different things. Um, and I, so I think one of the biggest adversities I had, um, I started teaching in North Philly. Um, and, you know, teacher turnover rate is really, really high. Um, people don't stay in North Philly. And I, mm-hmm. so I think when I went into North Philly to teach that I, I don't want to say I had to prove myself, but those mm-hmm. kids looked at me like, what you doing? <laughs> you know, how long are you going to be here? You just going to leave. And, and just the transition, you know, getting kids to, because before I could even begin to teach, you know, we had to build relationship and we had to build rapport. And so I think literally maybe for the first six months um, of my teaching time in North Philly, it was simply just me showing up um, and just standing my ground um, and just building relationship with them. I think that was probably the toughest um, thing that I've ever had to do. It was almost, I think that was probably even tougher than me starting my first year teaching. My first year teaching was definitely difficult, but I think this was um, a little bit more difficult. Even being seasoned, even being tenured, even having all that time, um, you know, they needed something different. They deserved something different. And if you, and, and, and so they were, they, they made me earn it, you know what I mean? For lack of a better term, but it was good, you know, after the first six months and, you know, they just want you as most kids do, they just want you just, just keep coming back and being consistent. And so once they realized that I wasn't going anywhere, once they realized that, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick it out, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter too much what you say. I'm, I'm still here. You know, I care. Once they realized that, um, man, it was amazing. Um, I, I love, 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 love them. Uh, I love the community. Um, but it definitely, we had a embattered relationship, so to speak, <laughs> there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it, it's good. You know, it was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you share a few important positive moments or turning points in your story? Um, the personal or the professional? Does it matter? Either or. Man, Whatever sticks have... out to you as being an important turning point for you. Um, okay. So I think personally, um, I think when I started teaching and you see your story in someone else, and I think that kind of gives you the confirmation that, oh, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't really sign up for this part, but I definitely understand why. You know what I mean? So I think that when you have kids that come back, um, and I guess maybe my personal and my professional are, are kind of intertwined. When you have kids that come back to say thank you, when you have kids that <clears throat> still reach out to you, um, you know, I think maybe one of the, the most positive things is that um, I went back to a school um, where we met, Megan. So I went back to SLA, not this year, but the year before last. So I went back and I spent a year there um, and I taught fourth grade. And, you know, the kids found out that I was back and, you know, so many of those kids came back up to visit um, one kid in particular um, and and he visited and we just talk and we still to this day, you know, I had him when he was in fourth grade. He was nine, <laughs> you know, get ready to turn 10. And I think he'll be 20 in October. Um, but, you know, he'll still text me to this day. Hey, you know, you OK? I miss you. You know what I mean? And just the, the check ins. I think those are the beyond the classroom relationships that we've built. Um, I think those are some of the most important things to me. Um, I have one student 
who told me one day, and I mean, I can still think about this and it brings tears to my eyes. And he was like, you know, Miss Wilson, he said, you know, you showed love for us when some of us didn't know what it looked like, you know, and I had this kid in fourth grade. I had, I had him in third grade, fourth grade and sixth grade. And, you know, he's still one of the ones who checks on me. And, you know, we try to link up whenever we can. He's trying to get into college. So we're trying to do a lot of things with that. But, you mm-hmm. know, he was like, Miss Wilson, you know, when, when some of us didn't have you know, love, like you showed us love, like you, you, you took care of us. And I think those are the, the positive things, um, Mm. that I, that I remember, you know, I have some kids going to college now and even on my birthday, you know, they'll text me like, Hey, listen, you are the the best teacher. I just, you're still one of my favorites. I remember you are, you know, just thank you. I think thank you goes such a long, long way. Um, especially for me. Um, I have one kid right now who's getting ready to go to high school. And um, I had him in when he was in the sixth grade and then I actually left the school, but in seventh and eighth grade, like we still kept in touch. And so he texted me over the summer and was like, Miss Wilson, just thank you for everything. You know, um, he was like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to remember this forever. And, you know, thanks for everything. And I was like, oh, we're not done. You know what I mean? Like I had to let him know, like, we, you still got high school, buddy, you know, but I think when kids, um, you know, thank you means a lot from a teenager, a middle schooler, so to speak. I think, especially for middle school kids, because middle school kids are are the, the craziest in a good way, but they're the craziest kids. And so <laughs> when you got middle school kids that can reflect and, and come back and say, thank you, um, because first of all, they don't have to. And second of all, because a middle school kid, that's the prime time where they're in that egotistical about me phase. But so when they can come out of that and and say, thank you, hey, I appreciate you. I think that just means um, so, so much. Um, this past year was my first year at a new school. And um, just the relationship that I had with those, with some of the eighth graders, you know, the eighth graders, you know, Ms. Wilson, I just appreciate you. The things they would say in the hallway, um, you know, um, from, from a good morning to Ms. Wilson, have a good day to, you know, by the end of the year, you know, I had a couple of slimes. They taught me the definition of slime. And so I was, you know, I was doing the slime shake and, um, you know, <laughs> had some, <laughs> had some friends, you know, I won't say friends, but I had some, some slimes. And I mean, um, when teenagers let you in their world, um, and by teenagers, I mean, middle school, middle school, middle school students let you in their world. Um, I just don't take that for granted. Um, and I also think mm-hmm. that a, a big piece of teaching is relationship building. I think that if you and a kid or you and students can build a relationship, I think they'll go to the ends of the earth for you. And it's really not for you. It's it's because they don't see it that way. You know, they they think they're doing it for you, but it really is about pushing them to be their best. But if you can build that relationship um, and then just go from there. So I guess my answer would be, um, the positive, I think every positive thing that I could possibly say or positive reflection would be just the different students, the, the number of students that I still talk to, um, that, I've, that I'm even able to help now, or we still have conversations now. Maybe the students who call me mom, you know what I mean? I don't take that lightly mm-hmm. either, but I think those things, those are the things that, you know, kind of bless my spirit. Mm. So what do you see for yourself in the future? So, ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> so um, 
I'm in January, I'll be um, finishing up my master's degree in educational education policy, education leadership mm -hmm. um, and policy. I have decided um, that I want to really uh, look at policy and education because um, it needs to be reformed big time. Um, and so while I love um, counseling and I love doing this academic counseling and I love career readiness and I genuinely love the classroom, um, I am I'm beginning to kind of shift my focus on um, policy and, and trying to make things better for the demographic that I teach, for the demographic that I that I grew in, that I love um, and making it better for maybe those that are coming before. I mean, after me. Um, this this past year when the school shut down and, you know, we were really able to see just the great digital divide that is that that is like a parent between urban school systems and suburban school systems um, and how, you know, I tutor. And so when my lower Marion kids or when my kids lived in the suburbs, when they didn't go back to school instantaneously. They had all of their stuff online. They had access. There were there were no gaps in learning. Nobody had to wait for anything. Um, mm -hmm. Conversely, when it was time for my urban kids to get laptops and get internet access, um, we had to wait. And there were gaps, and we weren't ready. Um, and I mean, it just really, really exposed one of the one major difference. You know what I mean in in education. You know what I'm saying, and so like one of the conversations I have with colleagues, and I always say this, and I push it. I say, you know, um, internet and technology and laptops should be like books were for us when we were coming up and being in school. Mm -hmm. Like we really shouldn't have to fight for this. We really shouldn't have to go beg somebody to do this for us. Our kids just does, this is basic stuff. This is what their basic necessities are right now. Um, but I also understand. Um, that it really does come down to policies. And, you know, what I've learned is that if you don't have to provide it, most times they're not going to provide it. And if you don't know how to advocate, um, then, then, then you're not going to get the things that you need, not because you don't deserve them, but just because simply you don't know how to ask for them. So um, I said I was going to give myself, uh, you know, five years to finish up the master's and to complete the doctorate. Um, I would love to um, go down to Washington, D.C. and genuinely um, be in the room and be at the table of education reform as it relates to policy. Because I think that's where we're, we see the difference. You know, um, mm -hmm. we need good administrators. We need great teachers. Um, but we also need better policy that is better suited um, for our kids. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's where I see myself. Um, and, you know, on down the road. So it's, it's so interesting because you have been able to maintain and um, provide safe environments for the students that you work with. But it's almost like um, the amount of control that you have really doesn't extend um, mm -hmm. too much further than the classroom based right. off of the policies and based off of whatever restrictions you're under. So it's amazing right. to think about um, how could you apply some of the same strategies and principles that you, you have used in, a, in the context of the classroom on an even bigger scale right. in impacting policy. And that's just it. You know what I mean? I think, 
I think a piece of me um, almost gets frustrated because I have limits, right? There's a limit to what I can do. There's a limit to what, um, what how much of this can happen. But I think if we looked at this from a different standpoint, being policy, um, and, and not necessarily school. And sometimes I think that we're so focused on the school and the student that we really miss out on the community. And the community is a big piece. Community is a, the community has more influence over an, a school and over students than almost anything else. And so when you can collaborate and get the community in with the school, um, I think it just changes a lot of things. You know, and so I'm excited um, because it's not just me. You know, I, I have great colleagues that I work with and we're all out there doing the same thing. But I think sometimes you have to stop and ask yourself, you know, why is this? Why is it so hard to, to do what in our mind we think is, is just the simple stuff? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What This stuff is simple. This stuff is simple. It's secondhand. It's second nature. This is just what you're supposed to do. Um and, and not to say that everybody has to get on board with it, but I think if we can introduce a different way of thinking and put different things in place, I think edu- urban education becomes a little bit, I don't want to say easier, because I don't necessarily know if that's the right word, but I think it becomes more manageable and more transferable than more than just out, mm. just more than in the classroom. You know, there are things that I do in the classroom and there are things that I do with maybe three or four students that, you know what, our whole class can really benefit from this. And, and you know what I mean? We have this mm-hmm. program, but you know what? This whole grade can benefit from this program that is, is just for five or six kids, but maybe what happens when it's, you know, made for a class or a grade or a grade group. So I'm, I'm you know, I think I've been a little nervous about it um, and, and just taking that next step and you know, what does this look like? What does it look like for me? Does it, does it mean I have to move? What does it look like um, as it relates to all the other things I like to do? Um, but I also believe that when the pandemic happened and the shutdown happened and kids didn't have laptops and, you know, we had to, f- we have to figure out how we're going to feed kids. And then we have to figure out what we're going to do about the parents who, um, you know, don't necessarily know how to work the technology. I think that was kind of the turning point mm-hmm. for me where I was like, you want to know what? Okay. Um, this, whatever it takes, like we just have to, you know, we have to just look at this thing a little bit differently and, and just be better so they can be better. Cause I think that's what it just comes down to. Mm. Are there any favorite or life-changing resources that you want to share with listeners? I think this, um, I think as an educator, um, I think one of the most impactful life-changing resource that I have, um, or other educators, um, educators that that teach in all different demographics. Um, so I think that that's what helps me um, become better. You know, iron sharpens iron. Um, but I think I find myself um, connected in a couple of ways. I'm looking to to those that have kind of went before me, um, looking at at their practices, looking at their techniques, looking at how they handle things. Um, then I'm like shoulder to shoulder with the people that we're in here with. So we bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and then for the new teachers coming in, right, you're able to help and you're able to um, kind of, I don't want to say lead, but you're able to share your experience. So I think that the most life-changing 
um, resource for me is other teachers. And I, th- I think one of the things that I would always say is that seek them out. Um, I think that teaching, if you let it, um, if you let it, it could be kind of a, a, like a, a vacuum and you just, you know, it's your class, your grading, and you get so caught up in all the things that you have to do. Um, and you do have things that you have to deliver. You know, we do have things that we have to be focused on, but um, never, ever get tired of and never think that um, collaboration with other educators is a waste of time, even if the collaboration is not talking about school. I think that being with an educator, being in a room with other educators, you know, sometimes you only get that experience when you're in grad classes or you're doing, you know, the the higher level coursework, whether it's that, whether you plan time to get together. Um, honestly, the most life-changing um, resource has been other teachers. And, and they've changed as I've went through, as I've, you know, kind of been in teaching for a while. You know, they went from mentor to great support to colleagues um, to now I'm the the mentor and I have mentees, but like all of us together, um, I think there's a great wealth of um, information and there's a great wealth of ideas and support in just the, the teaching field itself. So that would be my greatest resource. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? Mm. Yes. You know what? Um, Just love on kids. Like this is what I truly, truly believe that if we just genuinely love on kids um, and teach kids the way that they learn and not the way that we've been taught, like really get to know your kids, really get to know your students and how they respond and then respond to how they respond. Um, I think that's the best thing that we could ever do. Um, I think right now where we are all at home and doing this remote learning, I think that is more important than anything um, to check in with your students to make sure they're okay. You know, kids don't necessarily, and most kids, a lot of kids don't don't necessarily know how to say, I'm I'm not okay, or I'm nervous, or I'm I'm worried, or I don't understand. Um, You know, they act out, they don't show up, they, you know, they disrupt. So I think now, especially now, you know, we are in some, and I I don't think, you know, we say this a lot. I I think we say this a lot, unprecedented times. But I think that if we could just love on these kids a little extra right about now, um, I think that's going to mean the world. Right now, we're in a time of of hold up and everything's on hold. But the reality is five years from now, these kids are still going to be expected to be where they're supposed to be five years from now. So if you have a seventh grader now, that seventh grader is, is five years from now and is going to graduate and going to be expected to go out into the world and, and do things. And so we can't we can't shortchange them just because, you know, our our circumstances are a little different. They still deserve the best. They still deserve to be loved on. Um, so let's just do that. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Real Stories. The resources referenced by today's guest speaker will be included in the episode description. For more information about me, Dr. Megan Corrado, and my work with the Stories Trauma Narrative Intervention, please visit my website, www.storiesguide.com. 
Also, feel free to follow my story social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember that for every story of trauma and adversity, there is always a story of strength and resilience.